Likutei Sichas, Chelik Yudalit, that's volume 14, the second Sicha for Parshas Re'e. First of all, in order to better follow the Sicha and better understand it, I would suggest that you take a few moments to examine, to review the following Psukim. Number one, of course, in our Parsha, chapter 13, verse 5. In Parshas Akev, chapter 11, verse 22. Again in Parshas Akev, chapter 10, verse 20. And then in Vaischanon, chapter 4, verse 4. Take a moment, pause, and examine these psukim. In this sicha, we're going to once again encounter several important rules in Rashi, in Rashi's approach to Pshutisha Mikra. Number one, the fact that Rashi explained something, usually he would explain it in the first place, which it is problematic. Meaning, if the same word appears somewhere in the Torah, Rashi won't wait for the second encounter in order to explain it. If he does so, that tells us that in the first place perhaps it was understood, whereas in the second place it requires some explanation. Another interesting call is that Rashi's pirush is seamless, meaning that it has to be consistent all over the Torah. Rashi won't explain the same thing in one place in such a manner and in another place explain it differently, unless, of course, there's a reason which is required by the Pshutesh Mikra on the spot. Another rule, Rashi, when he brings his pirush, usually brings it from a source. He got it from somewhere. And when Rashi is obviously changing the examples or certain details from the source that he brings it, there must be a reason. There must be some telling reason in Pshutei Shemikra why he chose to do so. And another interesting cloud is even the order in which Rashi brings the examples also can be very telling. That also has an impact on the Pirush that he's trying to teach us in Pshutei Shemikra. In this Sikha in general, we're going to learn what it means to connect, to cleave to Hashem. And also we're going to learn that to connect to Hashem is not by just merely doing those mitzvahs which one is obligated to do, but rather those mitzvahs which go above and beyond one's obligations. In other words, those mitzvahs which one really is not necessarily obligated to do according to the letter of the law, and one chooses to do it in order to be closer and more connected to Hashem. Let's go into the Sikha. Aleph, chapter 1. On the Pasik, Achri Hashem Elkechem Telechu, the Pasik concludes with the words, Uvoi Sidbokum, and in him you should cleave. And Rashi explains, what does it mean in him you should cleave? That you should cleave to his ways. You should do kindness. How, which examples does Rashi brings? He brings the examples of Kvar Mesim and Bakr Cholim, that you should bury the dead and visit the sick. Just like Hashem did. It's obvious that Rashi is trying to answer the question. The question of how can one connect to Hashem? How is one supposed to connect to Hashem? So Rashi explains what it means. However, the question is, 
if we go back to chapter 11, Pasuk 24, and chapter 10, Pasuk 21, there it also says this expression of cleaving to Hashem. And in one place, Rashi doesn't explain anything at all. And in the place where he does, what does Rashi explain? And the words, boy, what does Rashi explain? What does it mean? And you should cleave to Hashem. And Rashi even asks the question, how is it possible for one to cleave to Hashem? Hashem is a fiery fire that consumes. And Rashi explains that by means of connecting to Talmidei Chachamim, who are totally engrossed in Torah, one becomes more connected to Hashem. And on the Pasuk where it says, Uvois Sidbok, Rashi tells us, he doesn't explain what it means, Uvois Sidbok. He just tells us that when you cleave to Hashem, then you continue the Pasuk of Uvishmoitishavea, and then you can swear in Hashem's name. Means when one is totally consistent with his connection to Hashem, the Pasuk is telling us that one now has the right, so to speak, and one has the ability to swear in Hashem's name. However, Why didn't Rashi explain Uladov Gaboy like he explains it here? Why did he explain that it means to go to connect to Tamid Chachamim? Why? So over there it could be obvious because it already says prior to it, Loleches Becholderachov, to go, go in all his ways. In other words, since the Pasuk already says to go in Hashem's ways, which obviously includes doing kindness and everything else, and then it adds the words, and to cleave to him, what else can it mean? What did it leave out that it hasn't said yet? And therefore it could be obvious that that's the reason why Rashi finds something more than what was been, has been said already, namely to connect to Tamid HaChamim. However, in the Pasuk voice seed book, when it said, and you should cleave to him, and then it says you can swear in his name, why did Rashi explain anything? In our Pasuk, he found it necessary to explain. But over there, he didn't explain anything. And therefore, number two, from the fact, on the other hand, that Rashi does not explain Uvaisid book, and he doesn't explain prior to that in, in, in Parshas Veschanon, when it says, Va'atem Advekim Hashem Alekechem, it seems obvious because it's self-understood. If it's self-understood over there, why isn't it understood in our Pasuk? Why in our Parsha is it necessary for Rashi to explain to us what it means to cleave to Hashem? Twice it's been mentioned, this similar expression of being connected to Hashem, and twice Rashi didn't say anything. And in the only Pasuk where he did say, we understand why he had to say it because it comes after he'd already enumerated all ways that a yid has to follow Hashem and be connected to Hashem. So why here does he explain it? Another question, and this already we're in chapter 2. What does it mean? Why does, it, why does Rashi have to explain what it means to be kind? Why does Rashi have to say that it means, why does he have to spell out that it means to bury the dead, to visit the sick. Why does he have to say what it means? In other places, the other place where Rashi explained to go in Hashem's ways means to do kindness, he didn't spell it out. In other words, 
So it means we can understand it own. Do kindness. Be, be a kind person so you're connected to Hashem. So if it's not necessary to detail it there, why did he have to detail it over here? <clears throat> Another question. Why didn't Rashi just merely tell us that gemilus chasodim, that doing kindness is doing kindness on one's money? Meaning to give loans, to give tzedakah, which actually would make more sense. Because if you think about it, doing kindness, giving tzedakah, is, or giving loans especially, is something which applies to all people all the time. You know, burying the dead or visiting the sick is something which doesn't come all the time. It's something which is, you know, you know, sporadic. But, and it's only to the dead, it's only to someone who's sick. But if someone needs a loan, as we know the rule, that to need a loan, it could be even a rich person could be helped by a loan. So why is it that Rashi finds it necessary here to explain that it means burying the dead and visiting the sick and doesn't include the obvious gemilas chasadim, which is to do kindness with your money? Another thing, another very interesting question. Rashi's source seems obviously to be from Mesecha Saita. In Mesecha Saita, it's, it brings this Pasuk, and it says, quote, just like Hashem clothed the naked, just like Hashem came to console the mourners, so too you should do it. And over there, it brings the Psukim. It brings the proof from actual Psukim, namely, Hashem clothed the naked, that's Adam and Chava, after they committed the sin, and now they found themselves naked, Hashem gave them garments. It says clearly in the Pasuk. And then when it comes to consoling the sick, the, the, the uh, mourners, it says over there that the Ebeshter came, Hashem came, and Rashi says over there that Hashem came to be Menachem Mavel. So the question is, why does Rashi omit those, and he brings totally other Dugmois, other examples, namely the Kvar Mesim and Bakr Chayim. Another question. Rashi does not bring any proof on the Psukim. Rashi just brings these two examples. He doesn't back it up with any proof from a Pasuk. Perhaps the one about visiting this, about visiting the sick, we can say we have already learned it once in Parshas Vayera, that, you know, Hashem came and he revealed himself to Avram and Rashi over there told us that it was the third day from his Bismillah. Perhaps we already, Rashi expects us to know it already. But about burying the dead? Where have we found that Hashem buried the dead? Where is it that it appeared up till now that one should be expected to know it? If anything, perhaps the only time we find this is that it says it by Moshe Rabbeinu. It says that it by Yikbar and it says, who was the one who buried him? It was Hashem. There was no one else to bury him. Because over there, Hashem knew that he didn't want anyone to know the burial place of Moshe. So there was no one else available to bury him because otherwise somebody would have known the burial place. So the only one who buried him was Hashem. So why didn't Rashi bring some proof? Another interesting question the order in which Rashi brings these examples doesn't seem to be right. Rashi says, You should bury the dead and you should visit the sick. What comes first? In the order of life, 
First of all, you bury, you, you visit the sick. Then, chas v'shalom, if that person passes away, now you have the mitzvah, you have the opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah of burying the dead. Not only is this the normal order of things, but even in the psukim, as I mentioned, <clears throat> the place we find in the Torah that Hashem visited the sick is way back in Chumash Bereshis. Where does Hashem bury the dead? At the end of Chumash Devarim. So if anything, Rashi should have said, The answer for all of this is as follows. When it says, That you are all cleaving, you are all connected to Hashem, your God. There, Rashi knows that we understand what it means to be connected. We've already learned in Parshas Vayishlach, the sad story of how Dina was abducted, abducted by Shechem. And it says, That he was strongly drawn to her. He, was, he felt connected to her. And then the Torah spells out, And he loved her. He felt love. So we already know it's been established in the Torah that what does it mean to cleave, to connect to someone? To love someone. And therefore Rashi did not have to explain the Pasuk in Parshas Rezchanu. And likewise, when it says in Parshas Ekev, Uvoi Sidbok, and in Hashem you should cleave and then you can swear in his name, also Rashi doesn't need to explain it. Why? Because just it's merely that one was talking about the actual present, meaning in Parshas Vashanon, it's telling the Yidni, you are connected to Hashem. You are now standing in a mode where you are in love with Hashem. And in Parshas Ekev, when he's talking about the criteria which one, one has to meet in order to be able to properly swear, to take an oath in Hashem's name, he's telling them that you have to be somebody who's in the status of connection to Hashem, love to Hashem. But both of them are the same, that they both mean to cleave to Hashem. However, when it says boy, when does it say boy? If you look in the Pasuk, it says that after the Pasuk says that you should love Hashem your God. And then it says you should go in all his ways. And only after that does it say boy. Therefore Rashi knows and he wants us to know that there's something more here. The Torah is adding something in addition to loving Hashem. And number two, going in his ways, there's yet another thing above and beyond that. What is that? Ledovka boy. Therefore, Rashi has to explain after asking, how can you be Dovik and Hashem? How can you connect to Hashem? How can you cleave to this fiery God? And therefore, Rashi explains that it means to connect to Talmud Chacham. Chapter 4. In our Pesach, where it says, Uvoisid Bokum, and in Hashem you should cleave. Let's look at the context. What's going on over here? What is the subject that's being discussed? What's the matter here? Over here it discusses the Navi Hasheker, a false prophet who comes and tries to sway the Yidin away from Hashem. And Hashem tells us, listen, don't think that this is real. Even though it seems like Hashem gave him certain powers, and in some ways he seems convincing, he seems compelling, you should know that it's Kiminase Hashem Alekeichem Eschem, 
that Hashem is only testing you to see if you really love Hashem and if you're really connected to Him. In other words, the whole purpose of this test is to test their love to Hashem, to test their connection to Hashem, to connect their to, to test their dveikus to Hashem. So it's obvious that when the Pasik afterwards says, Achre Hashem that you should go after Hashem, and him you should serve, you should only serve Hashem, that's already negating whatever the Navi Hasheka, whatever the false prophet was trying to do to sway them away from all of this. And therefore the question becomes, so what does Uvoisid Bakum add? And you should cleave to Hashem, quote unquote. What does that add to the words going after Hashem, following is in Hashem's ways, loving Hashem? What else could it mean? And therefore, we know that it cannot mean merely to just go in Hashem's ways, okay? To love Hashem, because that's the whole purpose of this test. That was proven by the fact that you're not following the false prophet. So obviously, it means something more than that. Obviously, it means something more that Rashi has to explain to us what it means. It cannot mean what he explained previously. That what? That connecting to Hashem means to connect to Tamid HaChamim. Because if you follow the Pasuk, it's going in the, in, in the idea, in the rule of Mailim Bakodesh. It's ascending higher and higher. In other words, a stronger and a stronger connection to Hashem. Because first it says... You should go after Hashem. You should follow Hashem. And then it seems to add even more. And Him you should serve, which obviously includes all the mitzvahs. And then after that it says, And to Him you should cleave. So it certainly cannot mean to cleave to Tamil Chachamim. Why not? Because at the end of the day, even the greatest Talmud Chacham is a boss of Adam, is a human being. And connecting to him is not like directly connecting to Hashem. And therefore it cannot be greater than one's connection to Hashem, namely doing the mitzvahs and following in Hashem's ways. So it's clear from the Pasuk that when it says, in addition to everything it already had said, to cleave to Hashem, that it means something more, something spectacularly more than what has been said already. And therefore Rashi has to explain that what does it mean over here in our parsha when it adds to everything else, to the whole list of connection to Hashem, it adds yet an even higher, more elevated connection of cleaving to Hashem. What does it mean? It has to mean to go in Hashem's ways. To do kindness like Hashem did kindness. To do gemilus chasadim the way Hashem did it. That makes you connected in an extra special way. And that's what helps us understand how Rashi chose or why he chose to explain it the way he explained it. And this is in chapter 5. Since we just established that the Torah is adding an even greater connection than just merely 
following in Hashem's ways, doing Torah and mitzvahs, the Torah adds yet another level of uvoisid bakum. So it must be that this is referring to something which is not an absolute obligation. This is something which is above obligation. If I may, there is like the letter of the law and then there is the beyond the letter of the law. And this is something which we find that Hashem did, so to speak, even when he was not obligated to do. In other words, Rashi is going to spell out, Rashi spells out such things that if you look at the circumstance, if you look at the time and place, so to speak, you will figure, you'll understand that it was such type of things that, that Hashem was not obligated to do. In other words, it could have been done through someone else. And typically when a mitzvah can be done by someone else and can be taken of care of very well, then you don't have an obligation. That's not included in the 613 mitzvahs. That's not including in quote-unquote going in Hashem's ways. This is something special. This is an extra special connection. Hashem did it in a special way, and you too, if you if you emulate this, you're also doing it in a special way, thus a special connection to Hashem. In the visiting the sick, visiting the sick was by Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu had many friends. We know that he had friends who helped him, who participated in his bris. So certainly he wasn't absolutely lonely and he didn't need that one more visitor, Hashem should come. And yet, what do we find? That Hashem came and visited him, even though it wasn't absolutely necessary. And likewise with the burial. The Rebbe establishes that contrary to what we thought, that this perhaps is referring to the burial of Moshe. No, this is the burial of Aaron HaKoyin. Aaron HaKoyin had already passed away. Aaron HaKoyin, when he passed away, who was present? Hashem, Elazar, his son, who now became the Koyin Gadol, and Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the Koyin Gadol. True, Elazar and Moshe were not able to partake in the burial. Why not? Because Elazar is now the Koyin Gadol, and we know that although a Koyin is supposed to be metame to his next of kin, which is obviously his father, but that's a regular Koyin, not a Koyin Gadol. That's true. And Moshe Rabbeinu had the status of Koyin Gadol when they were dedicating the uh, training for the Mishkan, but once a Koyin Gadol, always a Koyin Gadol. And therefore, they could not bury him. But anybody else could have, and anybody else would have. If only the word would have put, been put out that Aaron Akoya needs a burial, certainly every Yid would have been happy to participate in this special mitzvah. But what do we find? That Hashem took it upon Himself. Hashem was the one who took this mitzvah on Himself to bury Aaron. And that is something voluntary. That's beyond necessity. That's beyond obligation. Now we can also understand, and here's chapter 6, why Rashi did not explain Gemilus Chasadim to mean Gemilus Chasadim with your money. Because that is an obligation. One doesn't have a choice. One does not, if somebody needs the help, you have an obligation to go and do it. The Torah tells you, if somebody needs a loan, you have to go out and give it to him. So Rashi could not consider that. And likewise, the two examples from the Gemara, 
which is Rashi's source. You remember the example of clothing the, the naked? Well, who else was there? It was Adam and Chava and Hashem. The animals couldn't have given clo- provided clothing for them. So it's obvious that Hashem had, so to speak, no other choice but to take care of business. And and likewise, the other examples. And this brings us now to chapter 8, to understand the order in which Rashi brings it. If you recall, the question was, he should have brought first the example of visiting the sick, and then of burying the dead. But the Rebbe points out, if you look closely to these two actions, it's true that burying the dead involves a lot of effort. It takes, it takes a lot of effort. It's a big job. Versus visiting the sick. Visiting the sick, you have to really do much. You don't need to hold a shovel. You don't need to dig a hole. You don't need to clean anyone. You just got to go over and visit and say a good word. However, if you look at the severe implications of burying the dead versus visiting the sick, actually visiting the sick can perhaps sometimes involve a situation where let's say if the person is contagious or the person's very sick, that has has the potential of affecting you more so than when you bury the dead. In other words, there's a bigger price that one has to potentially pay in order to do this mitzvah. And especially let's remind ourselves the mitzvah in a situation where you're not the only one there. You're not obligated to do it. You're not the only one that is available to take care of business. Thus, Rashi wants to point out the great value of going in Hashem's ways that when you either bury the dead or even more, you're ready to visit the sick even though it might involve the potential risk for yourself and it's not absolutely necessary because there are other people to do it. And yet you choose to do it. That is Oladovka boy. That is the idea of cleaving to Hashem. Let's skip over to chapter 10. Just one point from chapter 10. From Yena Shaltaira. That ever always pointed out that in Rashi, not only is there Pshat, but really, if you can read between the lines, there is, quote-unquote, the wine of Torah. Wine is where it has the inner secrets. It has the inner flavor that's not readily there on the surface. You have to dig for it. But once you find it, it's so sweet. It's so gishmak. If you look at the regular obligations that a person has, every mitzvah, of course it connects you to Hashem. Hashem told you to do something, and you do it. You fulfill Hashem's will. That's good. However, it's not the ultimate. You're not yet strongly connected, cleaving to Hashem. Why? Because when you fulfill an obligation, a commandment that you are commanded, that means that you exist. You are something. You have been commanded and you, the person, how are now implementing it. You are now fulfilling your obligation. There's a much higher level. To connect, to cleave to Hashem. You go beyond. It's not only about you and about fulfilling your obligation. You are so connected to Hashem. You are so in tune with Hashem's ways that you do above and beyond just like Hashem does above and beyond. And the Rebbe brings an example 
from the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov says that a shade, what is a shade? When a person moves his hand on a, on a, on a, on a day that the sun is shining, you create a shade. You don't have to make the shade. It happens automatically. When you move your hand, automatically the shade on the ground, the image on the ground moves. When you walk, it automatically happens. You don't have to do anything extra. The same thing is when a person is connected to Hashem and he is so in tune with Hashem, he automatically does above and beyond. It's not just about what I'm obligated to do. I do because it's not I am doing. It's being done. It happens to be being done through me. But I am so connected to Hashem, it's almost like Hashem is doing it and therefore I am reacting like the shade. I am, so to speak, the implements through which it's happening.